Welcome to the only podcast that shares the astronomical and mathematical positions of the heavenly bodies. This is Sky Astrology. No, not astrology. This is Sky Astrology via astronomy. Hello, welcome to September 25th, 2020, where the Heavenly Bodies are episode. This is the 344th episode, and this will be a special episode as well, where I will express my opinion about what the implications are globally for where the heavenly bodies astronomically and mathematically are in the sky according to sky astrology so for those of you who are keen just to know where the heavenly bodies are i will share that with you immediately and if you are curious to hear what else i have to say then please do listen to the following segments of this episode. Thank you all for being on this journey with me with Sky Astrology. Of course, always, if you have any questions, do not hesitate to ask. And have a great weekend. Let's get right to it. I will be sharing where the heavenly bodies are GMT time that will be for 26 minutes after 10 p.m. on the 25th of September 2020. This is going to be 26 minutes after 5 p.m. for Eastern Standard Time and of course it will be 2.26 PST time p.m on the 25th of September. And I picked this time because our moon will be exactly aligned with Saturn. So what I said earlier, I believe, will not be true because probably the moon will occult, will hide Saturn, but Jupiter should be able to be seen. I hope I have a clear sky tonight to see. Nonetheless, let's start with that. It'll be at 28 degrees of Sagittarius. Sagittarius has 33 degrees of the ecliptic path. What is also in Sagittarius, we'll stick with that, is our Jupiter, which is going forward. It's at 21 degrees Sagittarius. And Pluto is between Saturn and Jupiter. But Pluto, you can't see with the naked eye, but it's definitely there. And it is just short of 26 degrees of Sagittarius. So it's a little bundle there. All together, these energies are together at this time in our sky. What's also important to note, which I um, wanted to share for my students, is that the south node, also known as K2, is at 15 degrees of Ophiuchus and 58 arch minutes. Now, I put a lot of emphasis on the nodes. This is the south node, and so if you have a 
position in your chart or in your sky that is in a focus, you will probably be keen to know that numerological number. Next, we have our Mercury that is accompanying our sun in Virgo. They're the only two there, but Mercury very often accompanies our sun. It is quite a ways away from our sun, to be honest. It is at 34 degrees of Virgo, and our sun itself is just at nine degrees of Virgo. Next, we have Venus. It had entered Leo, I did a podcast on that, the Lion's Gate, and it's moving along today at this time. It is at three degrees of Leo. And then we have the North Node position, which is really on the cusp of Taurus and Orion. Okay. And this is quite monumental because of the 13th sign where the Vedic astrologer and the Western astrologers are awaiting this shift of Taurus and Scorpio where I, of course, honor where the heavenly bodies are and, of course, the 13th sign. And with that 13th sign, of course, there's the polarity, which they always said wasn't, and that is Orion. And Orion has this space there. And I believe when it comes off the zero degree mark, it's at a zero degrees of Orion, then it will move into the Taurus area. The main thing is, is that in these two positions, Orion and Ophucus, they are integrated, what I call integrated elements. So they hold space for the water, say a focus of Scorpio, and uh, Ryan holds the space of Taurus because it is the space between Taurus and Gemini. Okay, but it's an extra sauce that you know I won't talk about now because it'll hold me up. Next, we have Uranus or Uranus, it is retrograde and it is. Also, in between spaces, it is literally closer to the stars of Satus and Pisces as it is to Aries, but it is calculated as being aligned with Aries, and it's at 11 degrees there. Next, we have our Mars, and it's retrograde. So, Mars also is retrograde, which means it's going to reduce in the number it's currently at 34 degrees and next what I also use in my sky astrology tutorials and consultations is the position of Eris which is a dwarf planet and it is clear to be seen unfortunately not in most apps but on any astronomical star location or planet location website Satus in the Satus constellation which is which is aligned to Pisces and one which I consider and have been studying for quite some time and therefore I feel it is a relevant constellation to uh, include when we do that, we are still, because it runs parallel to Pisces, we are still giving it a Pisces 
numerological position and that position is 32 degrees which is very important because mars is going to be conjunct that very very soon i believe on the full moon so we will be observing all about that uh, next we have Chiron, which is an asteroid, it's not at 16 degrees, it moves very slow, but it is retrograde at 15 degrees. And next we have, last but not least, our Neptune, which is holding steady at 21 degrees Aquarius, but actually its position in the sky, which you cannot see with the naked eye, is really between these energies of Pisces and Satis and Aquarius. But because I put so much emphasis on the journey, which is important because it moves so slow, it's been definitely in Aquarius all this time. So <laughs> I am honoring its journey in Aquarius. And the next part of this podcast, I'm going to go more in depth about the elements of the placement of these heavenly bodies and how this is relevant to where we are globally now, because globally there's a lot of synchronicities that are happening at this time in our lives. So... I hope you have found some help in knowing where the heavenly bodies are and, of course, the uh, positions that they will be in a little bit ahead of time because I hope to post this soon. Know that our sun moves one degree a day. The moon moves about, these are like estimates, one degree every two hours. And therefore, you can, of course, calculate from this point where the sun and the moon, which are the most important ones, where they are in your sky. Otherwise, I'll be back in a couple of days to let you know. What I do want to just make a footnote is that Saturn it will be stationary tomorrow at is 28 degrees and it won't go retrograde until the 28th so I am mindful of this situation as well because it's correlating coinciding with a lot of restrictions I believe that were similar that were put in place in March of this year Okay, so those are the clues. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Lots of love from me. Cheerio. Happy Friday, everyone. I was invited by a dear, dear soul that I very much treasure to give my opinion on what's happening now. And it is a very good prompt for me because I do struggle with coming down from the clouds. But my heart since the beginning of this week has been quite heavy. Being aware of the physical changes in our daily lives, our movements, and at the same time, 
myself being aware where the heavenly bodies are in the sky. Now, when I do consultations, I take into account where, which elements the planets are in and how they are integrating with each other and if there's a balance and what basic kind of inner different energies we have to work with to make the best of a situation and it is a good prompt to do that in this segment so if we start with where the heavenly bodies are now which i just shared we know that our sun and mercury are both in earth energies okay and that means it's the two of them we have Neptune in air and it is the only one in air we have Venus that's in Leo which is a fire energy Leo is a fire energy and we have Jupiter Pluto Saturn and Uranus in fire energies and actually in this case we have to look at the fact that we have a heavenly body in each of those different fire elements, Leo, Aries, and Sagittarius. And last but not least, if we want to just look at it face value, we have Mars in water. But in this case, I just thought I'm just want to bring in the consciousness of this planet X because I feel that it has some reference here and I'm gonna share what that reference is with you to start off. So we have one in water, one in air, two in earth, but an abundance of one, two, three, four, five in fire. So there's obviously an imbalance just to start with. Okay, so how I approach these things is I always say, be a biodynamic farmer because these are the principles that I have embraced to read <laughs> um, skies, I like to call them instead of charts. And I always say that when you want to work and with nature and when you want to have a successful harvest without using pesticides or GMOs, then of course you will need a special uh, ingredient. And the ingredients is our universe, the ingredients of the natural biodynamic energies that are actually omnipresent with our sun and the moon and gravity and you know the heat of our sun. So how I explain this is that the sun is the heat, is the fire. Now the air is the weather, like the atmosphere, if it's moist or, you know, how free the wind is blowing or how stagnant it's not blowing um, as much. And then the earth, of course, is the soil. And water, of course, is what we need to have, um, you know, things to grow without water. There will be no growth and no sharing of the minerals of the soil, right? And without that, nothing can grow. Water is everything. So when I look at this from that perspective of the biodynamic farmer, I'm saying, ooh, I have a lot of sun. It's going to be so sunny, hot, right? <laughs> but I don't have a lot of water for all this sun. 
and the air is you know gonna be like not as uh not cooperating enough it's not gonna be as uh conducive to the kind of weather that I need and the earth is just you know two so say if I had more um earth and all that fire it would actually be more difficult to deal with that because then I would need more water and I don't have a lot of water so I need to make a plan as a farmer this is my situation what can I do about it so the fact of the matter is as looking at this I can get more water like physically go and you know organize some connection to a river or figure out a way it's not I can even produce water which I'm coming to the kind of proverbial water I can cry so when when we want to take that to the next level and talking about who we're talking about us we're talking about our emotion we're talking about our situation so our situation is one where the earth is has mercury and sun so it's like this is how it is okay and this is the community communicating these things to us through mercury that this is the situation okay and the air is what you cannot see but you feel it like you feel the wind or you feel close like the weathers um the air is um you know difficult we used to call swool <laughs> in german anyway but this air is in neptune now neptune has a lot of um interpretations but when you want to understand something i believe you should look at both sides so when i look at both sides of neptune i see illusion i see spiritual i see escapism and i see a higher christ consciousness a high spiritual energy and neptune has very often been connected to pisces and that is of course our spiritual space um you know the beginning and the end of life you could say it is the 12th house it is the house of isolation which i think is reference to the womb the mother's womb because that is a place of isolation and it is a place of birth and rebirth because in a way the soul is reborn as it comes into this life at the ascendant through from the 12th to the first house so we have this air of nebulous we have this illusion of a situation and perhaps we want to escape it but how we have to deal with it or you want to escape from it which one is it or what are your choices now to be realistic we find ourselves in a bit of a pickle because we only have one option and this is through neptune and we know that 
there's so much heat on us. You know, we know that there's a lot of fire, there's a lot of energy pushing this uh, agenda, this situation. You know, it's hot, it's, you know, imminent. Everything's happening now. You have to do this, you have to do that. Fire is the sun, but it gives the energy. And there's too much of it for what we have to work with. We don't have enough information which is the earth basis we just have what people are talking about which is the mercury which is in that space and the sun is there in this earth space and you know the sun is connected to fire and mercury is connected to earth so mercury is like doing well just talking stuff but the sun has to pick a side, has to, you know, fulfill its energy. And sometimes it can be uh, difficult when it finds itself in Earth on its own. But it's just a matter of perspective. And so when we shine a light, which is interesting to say, because I always say the sun and Leo, it's not the the so-called leader of the jungle or the the king or the queen that is that Leo is about. It's about the people that the queen is serving or the king is serving. It's about the sun shining a light on the situation, not being the light. So in this case, of course, the sun is here in this earth space of Virgo where there's rules and regulations and so-called routines. And it's not there to shine a light on these routines. It's here to shine a light on the things where the fire is burning on Venus in Leo, which is a blessing because Venus has just arrived in Leo. So I believe that the sun is shining a light on Venus on love, really unconditional love of life, because that is fire, the spark of life, the inspiration, and how vibrant life and freedom and love is. And when it takes its attention and shines it into the space where you could say, that fire is kind of overloaded. It needs to do something with with itself. You know, we've got Jupiter there, we've got Pluto there, we got Saturn there as Uranus. Like, you know, that's kind of, for me, represented the fires that were going on all over the world because there's so much energy in the air that is in, in, in the atmosphere, in the world that's stagnant. So much repressed anger, so much unfairness. All these things are fire, and here we are, the farmer who needs to start using it and moving it around. We just can't be a spectator, you know, and not do anything. Of course, it's difficult, it's a challenge, because we have um, not a lot of earth to do things with. We don't have enough water, like only Mars is there, because sometimes a lot of water can lessen the fire and bring a balance. But here we don't have that. 
given to us. And so what is really interesting because I, when I just did a little bit of research, I fell upon someone called the Patayali, which he came across, or he was known for this raindrop um, analogy, which I found really interesting because I've been using that uh, with my clients, actually, talking about raindrops and, you know, to find rain clouds. So it's called rain cloud, but I've been talking about raindrops. And really what it is for me, because it was just, you know, the rain cloud of knowledgeable things, but if you want to use this analogy, and this is how I feel, that this, is, this gives me hope, you could say. When we are conscious of these true energies that have been created and cultivated over thousands of years of observation, we see that Neptune is connected to Pisces and that's where the water is. The water is in the Pisces, in the Neptune, and Neptune, of course, is in air. Fantastic. Because water and air can create a bubble. And this bubble is like a raindrop that needs to fall to the ground or that needs to put out the fire. And how does, is that done? Through the real true principles of Neptune. Let's start with connecting and honoring the Pisces and the rebirth and the womb and the love of life. Let's start there and know that we are birthing like Christ consciousness crowning from the solar uh, the solar eclipse from the beginning of the Rona, I like to call it in case just in case of censorship in December. We have always been talking about we are crowning this new consciousness. And so we are in the 12th house and we have a chance to be reborn. And to be reborn, first you go through a development of having all that is needed to survive in the new place. Right? You if you have to be ready to be rebirth. And in this analogy <laughs> that I'm using, when we coming through this um, first house, when we want to come through and be reborn out of a true understanding of this transition of material to spiritual and it's been clear that the global situation that all the materials 
all the uh, situations have changed, have fallen to the wayside, right? No materials anymore, no reference, no need for fancy clothes or wherever, because nobody gets to go anywhere to show them off or whatever. So that's all fallen by the wayside. So there's now just the spirituality, the sense of self, the sense of knowing and exploring who you are spiritually. And the spirit, of course, is air because you can't see yet who you are spiritually. It's something that has to be felt. And when you feel things, it's when you bring the waters. When you understand the connection between the water and this air, this idea of yourself and that you are water and that this water is like water and air is a raindrop and that it's moving through you and that it is moving in a way, this water and air is a way to transport and hold this air, which is the spirituality, this in your emotions can hold your spirit, your love of life, your unconditional love for you and humanity. And use this to put out and balance some of the fires. You can use this water in a drop in the bubble to fall upon this earth and saturate this earth so that something can grow out of it and give that as you do both as you give water to the earth and give water to the sun you know to the fire then at the same time you are balancing the energies and you are we have sometimes a wild card and all these things are only known if you're conscious of them and the wild card is uranus because uranus is literally in this space where there are more than one constellation. And it's beautiful because it's like the Afukas energy where I believe it's a higher kind of vibration because it's beyond the polarities of one or the other. It is coexisting energies like Afukas is a coexisting between water and fire. So here in Satis, we have water and we have fire. And we have a little bit of earth actually where Uranus is, which is great because here we have the experience of Uranus having moved through the Satis, so it has a lot of water and it is in Aries, between Aries and Satis, really. And therefore, it is able to 
utilize the waters from the journey between Satis and Pisces. But in an unusual way, because we can't forget about the energies of Uranus, because they are connected to the age of Aquarius, the true age of humanity. We can't say it enough. And this is what it's about, humanity, and the future of humanity, the future of our children. And therefore, when we connect with Uranus in this integrated place of Satis, but also know that it is connected to Aries and fire, we know we have an unusual way to deal with this fire, to get into the fire house, you could say, to get into the fire rim with carrying water. And this is through protection. This is through collecting knowledge. This is through being sensitive. This is through the characteristics that I associate with the sea dragon and the sperm whale because that is the symbol for Satis. It is part mammal who is close to the ground and senses things on this earth plane. And it is part fish that is a water creature and that is intuitive in the waters. So therefore, it holds its breath. That's where the heat is collected inside. And so long that when the whale breathes out, the connection, the, the, the reaction, sorry, of the hot, hot, hot air to the cold air outside creates the illusion of water. And that's what I mean by this vessel, this earth, and this water creating in, in fire inside, creating more water. So it's creating water with the power of fire by holding on, by holding its breath, by making sure it's right. And at the same time, we need to know that that is happening. And I believe that, you know, when you hold your breath, you're kind of collecting information. So there's not a void of information out there about why, you know, these laws are being made. There, you know, we can be grateful for, you know, doctors coming forth, the internet, you know, social media, whatever we have, we are grateful for this information. Maybe 30 years ago, we would not have this opportunity to share globally information like we do now. So we want to honor that information and use it to move the energy around. It's kind of like if you don't use the information, the information will be used against you. If you don't care about humanity, if you don't really able to express unconditional Venus and Leo love, yeah, then you cannot take charge of these energies. And when you don't take charge of these energies, they, it leaves them free to be 
taken over and dictated to you in perhaps a way that is not altruistic, unfortunately. I do believe there's hope, but my hope is this, that you know yourself, that you acknowledge the Christ consciousness in yourself, that you acknowledge the humanity in yourself and how it connects you to every human, that you become maybe overly emotional to let the waters flow, to let the tears flow, to raise the vibration of this energy so that we can put out the, our balance, let's say, balance the sun and claim this energy, this energy that is abundantly at the moment oppressive, but it's not that we don't have any power in this. A lot of times in this case, we're giving the power away. So let's take back this power. Let's take back our consciousness. Let's take back the knowing by coming from a place of gratitude. First, when you are grateful for all the information that is shared, when you are grateful that nothing is hidden, it's all in plain sight. One plus one, it always should equal two. It's so funny that someone um, sent me a new song by Ian Brown. And in that, in the lyrics, it says sometime trying to convince me that two plus two is five. And I was like, I've been saying this for ages. Yeah, exactly. There's no excuse. It's so obvious that this doesn't make sense. And it's so obvious that a lot of things that have been put in the fire, like BLM, like even elections, all these dividing little things are distractions to separate you from your fellow humans. We are all humans. We are all earthlings. And it's time you know, every minute of every day, and especially this year, 2020 as well, is giving us power, believe it or not. When you saw 11-11, now you see and you're living 2020. It's time to see clearly. This is what it's about. Open your eyes. Open your heart. First, though, I want to share with you the Sanskrit meaning of yoga. It says the word yoga is derived from the Sanskrit root yuk-yi, meaning to join, to yoke, or to unite. As per yogic scriptures, the practice of yoga 
leads to the union of individual consciousness with that of the universal consciousness, indicating a perfect harmony between the mind and body, man and nature. And may I add, as above, so below. I found something perfectly aligned to what I was speaking about earlier, but it's also so perfectly and eloquently written that I wanted to share it with you. And I found it by looking into the planet Uranus because I see Uranus's position as being you know, as I said, the kind of wild card where it is in an integrated part of the sky where we have water element and we have fire element and it's approaching uh, the t- between the Taurus element and the sea goat Capricorn element because that's where the part of the sky that's called the sea begins and ends between Capricorn and Taurus. Nonetheless, when I did find something, I ran into a Indian sage from the 4th and 5th century, and he is known to be the author or had compiled the Yoga Sutras, and his name is Patajali, which a lot of people probably who know more about yoga than me would know, and that he coined the phrase rain cloud of knowledge knowable things so of course uh, in finding this out what he meant by this rain cloud because you know of course I'm attracted to anything that says cloud in it of course and of course I was just talking about this analogy with the rain and the air and the water of course I was really chuffed to find this beautiful passage and I will leave you with this passage and wish you all a beautiful weekend. I will share with you just a small bit of a vast explanation of what Dharma Mega means in perhaps two different kinds of yoga teachings or Buddha references. This one is based on what they call Pali Kanan, and it appears in relationship to yoga, which is why I'm using it, that was uh, known in the first and second century CE. And it's about, it's kind of a play of questions and answers from a Indo-Greek king who asks his questions about Buddhism. The example of Dhamma Mega, which is like knowledgeable cloud, appears in a long list of similes self-consciously presented to construct the paradigms of right behavior for the earnest yogin. Using the structure of the simile, the text lists five qualities of the cloud, also known as meha, that the yogin 
is said to possess. The cloud is also understood to be a rain cloud and the five qualities of rain are settling, cooling, nurturing, protective, and abundant. The passage explains that the Dharma Mega is a fruit of the Yaga Kara or the yoga discipline. And its function is to provide substance and nourishment to the world, which is similar to what I was saying with my explanation about the raindrop and air and water. It goes on to share this uh, question, questioning. So it says, Revered Navasinya, when you say five qualities of the rain cloud must be adopted, which are these five qualities that must be adopted? As sir, the rain cloud allays dust and dirt that are rising. Even so, sire, the yogin, the earnest student of yoga, must allay the dust and dirt to the defilements that are arising. This, sire, is the first quality of the rain cloud that must be adopted. Right? So to settle the the earth. And again, sire, the rain cloud cools the heat of the earth. Even so, sire, the yogin, the earnest student of yoga, must cool the world with the devas by the meditation of loving kindness. This, sire, is the second quality of the rain cloud that must be adopted. And again, sire, the rain cloud makes all seeds grow, which I was talking about, you know, needing for the garden. Even so, sire, the yogin, the earnest student of yoga, having in all creatures generated faith, should sow the seeds of faith for achieving the three attainments, the deva-like and the human attainments and the attainments of the bliss of the Nibbana, the ultimate goal. So that's Nibbana, I suppose, means ultimate goal. This shire is the third quality of the rain cloud that must be adopted. And again, sire, a rain cloud arising in due season preserves the base of the tree. The grasses, the creepers, the bushes, the medicinal plants, and the forest trees. Even so, sire, the yogin, the earnest student of yoga, having produced careful attention, must, by means of that careful attention, preserve the dharma of recluses, so that all skilled states are rooted in careful attention. This, sire, is the fourth quality of the rain cloud that must be adopted. And again, sire, the rain cloud 
in raining down fills rivers, reservoirs, lotus ponds and gillies, crevices, lakes, water pools and wells with showers of water. Even so, sire, the yogin, the earnest students of yoga, having rained down the rain cloud of Dharma for the mastery of the, of the tradition should perfect the mind of others for the spiritual realizations they are longing for. This, sire, is the fifth quality of the rain cloud that must be adopted. And this, sire, was said by the elder, the general under Dharma. And it's quoted, it says, Seeking folk capable of being awakened, even be they a hundred or a thousand yojanas distant, approaching them at the right moment, the great sage awakens them. So I felt so validated, (laughs) for lack of a better word. Having found this, after having used this concept to express how water and air can help bring balance back to the earth and fire, or in this case, this um, imbalance of fire, which causes, of course, the little, the imbalance of earth to be overheated and not having enough air or enough water, but together with the air and with the one water that we have at this time, can come together in this Dharma Mega cloud and have these five versions of a rain cloud, which will, of course, um, help to produce water and to cool down the earth and to, of course, bring back balance and all these things. So, yes, thank you again for listening and yeah, that's it for now. Have a brilliant weekend.